Hello, this is Risa Courier, host of the Alliance podcast, coming to you from the Humane Rescue Alliance in Washington, D.C. Today, I am really excited to be joined by Rob Leinberger. He's the Animal Control Supervisor for Richmond ACC, also referred to as Rob and Ford Me as RAC or R-A-C-C. So Rob has been in the field services world for a long time and has a lot of expertise. He has served on the board of directors for the Virginia Animal Care and Control Association since 2009. And he's also served on the board of directors for the National Animal Care and Control Association, including serving as the vice president and president. So, Rob, this is really a treat to have you join us today. So how are you doing right now? I'm doing well. I, I appreciate this opportunity. It's, it's been an interesting time the past couple of months. My career has been interesting, but... This has proven the most interesting these past few months. I bet. How are things going in Richmond? Uh, we're staying pretty busy. We've had to, as, as I'm sure many folks have had to learn to adapt with our shelter operations, our field service operations. We're, we're still plugging along, doing our best, and sometimes learning as we go, sometimes using the skills that we already have, but and occasionally throwing a little bit of fun in there, too. Well, that's good. That's important to still have fun when you can. There's not a lot of fun to be found right now. Absolutely. So could you tell me a little bit about RACC and the community you serve? Richmond Animal Care and Control is right smack in the middle of the city of Richmond, Virginia. We serve a population of roughly 230,000, 240,000 folks on a 50, 60 or so square mileage of city. We've got the, the James River running right right through the city, so that's kind of a, a fun thing to to have. A lot of history, of course, with, with mm -hmm. Richmond. A lot of typical animal care and control situations. We, we deal with cruelty, we deal with neglect, mm -hmm. dogs running loose, you know, uh, mostly the uh, the city dwelling type of, of issues. We have we have wildlife. We have the occasional mm -hmm. livestock. Random chickens getting loose. Occasional cow here and there. <laughs> oh wow! I didn't realize there was an opportunity for farm animals in Richmond. It's rare, or it, <laughs> it's it's not as common as say maybe a more rural county in Virginia, but. We occasionally have uh, have that random cow or horse or pony or chicken uh -huh. <laughs> deciding to, to run loose and see what's going on in the city. So we're, we're there to round them up, literally. <laughs> well, and I, I've been to Richmond many times, and it is a really beautiful city with so many parks. And as you said, the river runs right through it and wonderful recreational opportunity. But I'm sure there it's also habitat for a lot of different wildlife. Life. So what, what kind of wildlife do you guys typically see there? Oh, wow. Every single day when I cross the James River to go in to work, I am I'm delighted to see the osprey nest that's uh, over oh, the James River. Nice. That's just that's just fascinating to watch. We have bald eagles that are that that fly around. We have wow. per, the peregrine falcons and the falcon cam. We get to watch when we want to see the, the kids growing up. The river's got Tons of, of wildlife, you know, the typical deer, coyotes, skunks, foxes, rabbits, 
raccoons, possums, the occasional river otter. So, and and well, a lot of city wildlife, if you will, such as rats mm-hmm. and, and the ever-adapting possums and raccoons that travel to and from. Uh, lots of bats. Uh, bat season has mm-hmm. started, and so we see a lot of those with the older homes and the warehouses. And, and the wildlife has learned to adapt. It's interesting to watch and have conversations with, with citizens in the in the city about how wildlife is here. They may not always see it, but it's here, and, and everybody has to learn to adapt and, and kind of coexist. Yeah, I I can imagine it. It's a lot for wildlife to to have those beautiful parks, but then also you know be buffered by uh, the city landscape. Right. The the other thing I've noticed when I've visited Richmond is there seems to be a big disparity, income disparity there. You have neighborhoods that are so affluent and, you know, these old, huge stately homes. And then, you know, they're just a couple miles down the road from neighborhoods that seem to be lacking in a lot of resources, including resources for animals like pet stores and veterinarians and and those kinds of things. So how, how does Richmond ACC navigate that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there there is disparity. There's there's a lot of lower income folks that that, that do struggle, and then uh, also folks that are sadly below at or below the poverty line. So we have to be creative. I, you know, I remember back when I started nearly thirty years ago, we we, we took animals. You you couldn't take care of it. We took it. Right. That, and that was the mantra. That was the motto, so to speak. You didn't have dog food. You didn't. You couldn't afford vet care. You took it to the shelter, and you 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 essentially disposed of your your property, your pet, just simply because you couldn't pay for dog food, or you couldn't afford to to get a rabies vaccination. So we, uh, and I know many folks do this throughout the nation, but we've just you know we're rethinking that. The animal control officers are the first level or the first line, if you will, uh, for the community. So the animal control officers, my team. We are out there having those conversations with people and just simply finding out, hey, you know, how's it going? What do you need? Because we don't want to take your pet. And when they say, you know what? I need a bag of dog food. Well, by gosh, we're going to give you a bag of dog food. If that's all it takes for you to, to, to just make it over that, that hump, so to speak, and not have to give up your pet that you've, you've had for so many years, then, then we're going to do that. That's a, thousand times better than us having to take your pet or you having to to sign your pet over never to see it again so it's it's much easier to be able to provide the resources uh, we have such great community help too i tell you the, the city of richmond residents and and surrounding areas they are some of the most generous people i have i have ever met or or haven't met yet <laughs> because we get countless donations we have People opening up their 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 checkbooks, their wallets, their credit mm-hmm. cards, their donations, and and it mm-hmm. and it makes a huge difference. So that's that's our approach is is trying to keep these pets out of the shelter, and and provide the resources. And the animal control officers are literally, you know, on scene being able to do that out in the field uh, before it gets to the point where, you know, it has to come to the shelter. Well, and that's great. And. I, I was disappointed when our Mid-Atlantic Animal Care and Field Services conference was canceled like every other conference because I was really looking forward to your presentation on, I think it was titled Beyond the Dog Catcher. And you were going to talk about, uh, you know, these big shifts in, in field services. 
Oh, absolutely. We we are no longer the dog catcher. That the the dog catcher word was coined in the 1800s. The animal control officer term, if you will, was coined in the 1900s. So it's it's a big difference, and and we do so many things now that um, you know where we as animal control officers, animal care and control officers. If you don't adapt to the change, you're not going to be able to keep up. You know, just all the different technologies that are available to us, uh, cell phones and computers, Wi-Fi out in the field, mobile printers, you know, the, the various types of, of lighting systems. And, you know, that's just the technology and literally right. thinking outside the litter box uh, to, <laughs> to make, you know, to make it easier. Why? Why? We already work hard. Animal control exactly. officers already work hard. We're, we're good at working hard. Why mm-hmm. not pair that with working smarter so that maybe you don't have to work as hard, but still be as efficient as possible and you know and and a more compassionate animal control officer like i said when i when i started almost 30 years ago it was it it there was a lot of things that we did that that by today's standards would be considered fairly harsh We, Mm -hmm. we, we, we took in a lot of animals that that never went out the front door ever again they came in through the front door and they went out through the back door and you know uh, adoptions weren't so great fosterings almost non-existent you know the the, the animal control officer we, we we took a lot of animals and and now we're we're thinking differently and we have to think differently and we have to keep up with the technology that helps us think differently too if you can't operate a computer system you're probably going to be way behind <laughs> way behind Yes. Well, there's, there is a lot of technology and I'm grateful for my millennial colleagues who are always helping me navigate. Even my 10 year old child is, is teaching me things. (laughs) We have to use it. It's there. Why not make the most of it? Use it. That's right. Yeah. That's very true. Well, you mentioned what a great community and um, how how supportive your community is of you guys at, at RACC. And I remember a really dark time last year when Tommy the dog was found. And for, for those who are listening that don't know, Tommy was a dog that was found tied to a pole and he had been lit on fire. And our RACC took in Tommy and provided him with the most outstanding care and love. But unfortunately, um, he ended up succumbing to his injuries. But I think that you know, what really stayed with all of us is how the community really rallied around you guys during that time to try to seek justice for Tommy. Could you tell me a little bit about what happened? Oh, sure. Yeah, that that's event is, is just just literally seared into everybody's minds and, and souls February of, of 2019. And the investigation of the of the actual case was was nothing short of astounding with all the departments within the city and outside the city that were involved so many people worked on that to 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 find that individual investigate it and then subsequently getting a guilty verdict from that but but what caught i don't know if it caught us off guard or or, or surprised us in a way that we were not used to was was just the outpouring of support from from the community local and the community national 
and, and honestly, the community international, because we had every single state in, in the United States, people from every state out, uh, reaching out to us, making donations, uh, sending, you know, sending good thoughts and, and vibes and, and having the, the, just that, that outpouring of support that was just overwhelming at times, to be, to be honest with you. We, we had so much support. We didn't know what to do with it at, at times and, and having the people, reach out to us and, and even checking on us because of, of how horrid the situation right. was. The community checked on us and, and, and took care of us. The team, I, I should say, the, the animal care and control team, both the shelter staff, the animal control officers, the volunteers, everybody. And, and a lot of good has come from this now, too. We have the Team Tommy Fund, uh, where we help other municipal shelters with, with you know, again, the, the change that has happened where if an animal was injured, the often default decision was, okay, it's got a broken leg. We don't have the money to pay for that as an animal control team. We're going to euthanize it. Now, now it's like, oh, wait a minute. We got money. This is a good animal. We can fix that broken leg. We can take care of it because we have, you know, we have the resources now to do that. So that's been a shining moment that has come out of that that pretty dark situation where we can help other municipal organizations that would otherwise have to euthanize an animal just simply because they didn't have enough money for the vet treatment. Well, and it was it was wonderful to see a municipal organization like RACC in the spotlight for really providing extraordinary care to that animal and I think a lot of municipal agencies don't, you know, they were, they do really hard work and they are many of them, you know, struggling with being under-resourced and yet they perform these really essential critical services for their community and, and they don't get the recognition and some, the appreciation often for that work. So that was a really good thing. Oh, that- absolutely. A- absolutely. And of course, Tommy's law too, where the, the, Cruelty code in Virginia was strengthened. So hopefully that will be a deterrent for others who are thinking about harming an animal, that there's a harsher law awaiting them. It's a good tool to have. Yeah, it, it's definitely a good tool in the toolbox that, that we can use and hope that we don't have to use, but will if need be. So going back to our current crisis, <laughs> What kind of changes are ACOs making right now in order to work safely in the field during COVID-19? Oh, yeah. It, it's, I, I'm sure everybody's doing similar things, um, you know, as simple as wearing face masks and protect other, uh, you know, other protective equipment, gloves, washing your hands, sanitizing, mm-hmm. and, you know, doing all these things that we probably sometimes may have taken for granted. But I think animal control officers were already sort of prepared because we are just mired in, in zoonotic diseases already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're kind of familiar with the world of, of, of that. So we usually take precautions as a matter of habit. Uh, but now we've just somewhat enhanced it even more, you know, limiting our, uh, I know with, with us in Richmond, we're, again, we're, we're kind of, Going back to that technology where we're having more conversations on the telephone, we're live streaming, we're, you know, we're, uh, we're having video conferencing with, with individuals, we're, we're getting pictures of animals um, sent to us or, or videos of animals so that, you know, maybe we have a simple 
animal quarantine situation where we would normally go to the person's house. Maybe now we're doing it via video conferencing and having a little bit easier of a time so that they're not exposed, we're not exposed, but then still having to go out to situations where we have to do the in, you know, in-person right. visit, the neglects or the cruelties. We can't do that over the phone. <laughs> so we have to suit up and, 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 and be, you know, be safe about it and, and go out there and handle the situation as safely and, and humanely as possible, but enforcing the law when we need to at the same time. Well, and you mentioned earlier how important technology has become in today's world for field services officers. So it's it's really highlighted right now, in particular, with having oh, yeah. tools. The the cell phone. If 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 animal control officers don't have cell phones today, I there it, it's a tough it's a tough time to do your job. <laughs> it really is. So both NACA and FACA have been providing guidance and and resources to folks in the field right now. Are they preparing as as things become more open to provide different guidance? Uh, I would imagine so. I'm since I'm not on the NACA board, I can't anymore. At least I can't quite say what they're going to do, but I'm sure they're going to, as as they learn things, same thing with the Virginia Animal Control Association, as each day progresses, it, it's a learning moment. You know, we're, we're taking it one step at a time. And, and what makes it even more interesting and or challenging is each state does things a little bit differently or has been doing things a little bit differently. So overall, we can have a, you know, a big picture of, hey, here's some, you know, here's some of the recommendations. Here are the things that, that may need to occur. VACA as, as you know, as, a, as an organization, we still have our conference coming up in October that we have to think about. Yeah. Do we proceed with that? Will the, you know, will the Commonwealth Commonwealth of Virginia be be open enough? Uh, will there be a resurgence? So as an organization, we have that that to think about. And, and I'm sure NACA, uh, the same thing. Where is the VACA conference this year? The VACA conference uh, is scheduled for Roanoke oh, okay. uh, in, in October. So, you know, we're still in the planning phases of that. But at the same time, we have this this pandemic that we have to yeah. have to figure out and navigate is that something now that that we have to change or alter our our, our plans because like you said you know the mid-atlantic was going to be a great opportunity mm-hmm. not just for the learning but also the camaraderie of of folks just seeing the the people in their in their world that hey there's another person that that knows what i do so for 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 conferences such as these it is a great time for fellowship and just having those one-on-one conversations with people that that are in the in the same world in the same profession and so that makes it tough when you can't do that oh it is tough and i, I think especially for field services officers who are often have have very solitary days so to have that opportunity to come together and learn and and laugh and commiserate is really critical and and that that's something else you were actually going to talk about at the mid-atlantic conference is compassion fatigue but really that's just kind of another name that we use in our industry for for keeping your mental health in check while doing this really hard work so what what tips would you have for folks in the field right now yeah, this is a tough time. Like you said, animal control officers are, are sometimes solitary creatures and and work alone. And you know they may be the only person uh, in their in their locality, or they have a team of others, but may not see them that often. So 
not being able to have that ability through a conference or, or, or a training opportunity, regional or local, does make it a little bit more tough. The job itself is tough in and of itself. So taking, you know, taking care of, of yourself is, is paramount. That, that's where it starts. You know, that's, that's the mantra, kind of the guiding moment or the guiding theme that I have in, in when I talk about the emotional impact is you got to take care of, of, of yourself and start with, you know, the self-care. Uh, maybe you're reading a book. Maybe you're listening to music. Uh, maybe you're watching a movie or you're outside enjoying fresh air or you're mm-hmm. meditating uh, or maybe you're doing some work out in the yard. My yard has never looked better <laughs> <laughs> as a result of this. And it's just that ability to get rid of some of that emotional baggage mm-hmm. that you don't need to be carrying around. Get rid of it. You don't need it. Well, and, and to nurture something. I mean, yeah. it, we planted a, a vegetable garden our first time ever that we actually have time to tend to it. And it, it really is so gratifying. It is. And to nurture something and watch things grow overnight, it's it's very rewarding. It, it absolutely, it absolutely is, and and that helps. That helps take away some mm-hmm. of that, you know, that emotional stress that that we have just simply from our jobs of of animal care and control. Uh, you know, let alone throwing on uh, you know the the, the COVID nineteen craziness. So just again, taking that, even if you take a few minutes to breathe. And taking deep breaths, that in and of itself helps. Helps you get through those moments, get through those days. Oh, and it, it, it really does. Well, thank you so much, Rob. This was such a wonderful conversation, and it was great to get a chance to catch up with you. Absolutely. Thank you. And hopefully we will all meet again in person very soon. And I'm going to keep my fingers crossed there's a way for the conference to go forward for you all. I know it's a really important time for you guys to come together. So we'll thank you everyone for listening and please be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can receive more great interviews like this one.